Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. This has been such a good weekend. How many of you were here last night? How many of you were not here? An angel showed up and asked about you, and no, I'm just kidding. It, uh, it, was, it was phenomenal. I want to encourage you to get online and, and uh, listen to the message. There was so much in that service. Uh, there was so much activity going on, uh, heaven's activity in the room, and I just had to lay on the floor, and the, just the weight of the Lord and the presence of the Lord and the weight of those words was on me. I went home and just soaked in it last night, and there's a whole lot to unpack. God is so good. What he does is he will, he will give us... Uh, Graham Cook, I heard him say it this way one time. He said, prophecy is God introducing the future you to the you in the present. So I want to introduce you to someone. It's the you in the future. And then he interacts with you through your future from then on. And that pressure on your life will pull you into your future. And so we need to remind ourselves of what the Lord's doing because there can be a disconnect. We think, hey, God's, God, God must be speaking to someone else because we're, we're thinking of who we are rather than who he said we are. And the wonderful thing, when you have a prophetic community of people, that when we begin to keep track not only of our own prophetic words, but of one another's, and we begin to teach or treat one another based upon what God has said about us, there becomes a, a synergy in the room. There becomes a, the positive peer pressure of heaven, where we do not tolerate li- allowing one another to live below our destiny. And so there's some things the Lord released over this house last night that in the days to come, we're going to be unpacking. And so it would be good for you to go ahead and listen to what was said last night and, uh, it, because you're going to be living it anyway, so it's better to have it in advance. It'll help you process it. So it has been such a blessing to have Bob and Kimberly with us. And uh, I, I was thinking, you know, I, I think the first time Bob was here was 12 years ago uh, during the first the Power and Love conference that we hosted here. And uh, we've been having them in and out since. And I can't believe it's been like four years since you've been here. I think that's the longest time between visits. And uh, we were, he was supposed to come in last year. And of course, with COVID, uh, we didn't have anybody in. And uh, so, uh, so, I mean, some of you were here, but, you know, not, uh, but not all of you. I mean, it was a crazy year. So uh, it, it's just been such a wonderful relationship. And so many of the things that the Lord has done here have come through Bob and, and many other ministers in the region. We gathered a bunch of pastors on Saturday. I mean, yeah, I think it was a Friday. And uh, just looking around the room, several of them reached out to me and said, hey, tell Bob that everything he spoke over me four years ago, five years ago, I'm living it out right now. One pastor, he had, was pastoring a church, and Bob had this word about commercial property and all this move and all this stuff. He is totally relocated. He just... He's just bought a commercial property as of that day. He said, I got a steal. And uh, God's just unrolling those things. And so I want to encourage you. God uses the prophetic to break you into your future. Paul told Timothy, I want to remind you of the words spoken over you along with their instructions so that by them, them speaking of the prophetic word and the instructions, because the prophetic comes with it. See, the light's coming on. I tell you, I'm anointed this morning. The prophetic will, 
will come with instructions, and as we cooperate, there is a process to the prophetic. And so as we cooperate with the prophetic word, the, pro, the prophetic is a weapon by which you fight for your future. And so God will give us those words and we fight with those uh, for our future. It, it's to encourage us in the midst of the battle, the resistance to your future. And so all that said, it's just good to have Bob here. And uh, Bob is uh, a strong prophetic voice in this, this house, not only in this house, across the world. And uh, it's just been so good. Uh, Bob, we love you. Kimberly, we love you. We appreciate you guys and your input in this house. And so without further ado, let's give them a great hand. That's so good. Thank you, Pastor Dave. And this is my wife, Kim, out in the front row. <clears throat> We just last week had our anniversary, and uh, actually last uh, weekend, and I won't tell you how many years because, you know, she looks, she looks like amount, the amount of years that we've been married is the age that she looks like, so you would be like, how did you marry her so young? And so, but uh, we, we are just living the life. Pastor Dave, thank you so much for just uh, inviting us back. We love this house. We just honor the way you steward the presence and the way you lead um, the revival culture, you know, and there's a lot of, of, our, of our friends and our churches. We love that <clears throat> experience revival, but you guys live revival, and I like that because you can experience God or you can live God, and you guys are really living it, and he leads it so well. I mean, how many pastors do you want to take notes during the introduction? He's introducing me, and I'm like, I got to write that down. That was a good, that was a good sermon there, you know? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> sorry, my throat's clearing out a little bit here this morning, but we'll get there. Um, oh, what a great weekend. What a fun night last night. Um, we're gonna, I want to get right into it. I really want to visit with you a little bit more, but I want to get right into it because I have some things for you as a church. Um, how many of you, this is the first time I'm getting to meet you. You've never heard me before, never seen me before, okay? few of you, so I'm, so I'm so glad to meet you. I hope you enjoy your time. If not, you can come back next week and hear Pastor Dave uh, speak, so it'll be good. Um, <clears throat> we had a great visit this weekend. We did meet with uh, some leaders. It was actually great to hear those testimonies. I was thinking, as Pastor Dave was sharing that, how I started my year. I had a little bit of a, a, a triple shutdown year. I got shut down in March because of COVID. Then I got shut down in May because of a motorcycle accident. And then I got shut down again in October because I had to have a surgery for my motorcycle accident. So I actually didn't go back out again until January. And I sat out, like, all the second half of the year, even, like, I'm, I totally missed the elections. I don't know if you guys knew we had an election. I found out actually in January that we had an election. I was the only prophet that didn't know that there was an election going on. And so <laughs> I think God gave me a, you know, he didn't give me a concussion, but he used the concussion so I wouldn't say the wrong thing. Apparently some people had to go back and reevaluate things. I don't know. I don't know who they are, but I'm just saying I was a little bit going out in January kind of like, man, it's been a rough spot for the prophets. I mean, we missed a pandemic. <laughs> and then there was an election I heard about. And then I'm like, man, I don't even know if I want to go out and prophesy. I was actually, I was, I was honestly a little bit kind of <laughs> struggling with my own belief in the prophetic, I'll be honest with you. And I went out the first uh, time I went out, it was in January, and I went to a beautiful church in, in Pennsylvania, a great uh, 
charismatic Mennonite church, effort of community church, beautiful family of people and a beautiful church. On a Friday night, there's, and I hadn't been anywhere outside of Connecticut. You, know, out, if you guys don't understand, you guys aren't wearing masks. Like you, this right here would scare people where I live. Like you guys are scary. In fact, it's actually the law. <clears throat> no, true. Like <clears throat> when I go back, when I fly back home, I, I am supposed to quarantine for 14 days because you guys are so dirty. That's what they I, I'm supposed to, I hope this isn't online, edit this before you put it online. <laughs> I'm supposed to fill out a form, tell them where I was, what I did, where I'm going to go, what I ate, who I was with, what, <laughs> no, not all that, but I am. Literally, I'm, every time I leave the state, <laughs> I'm supposed to quarantine. I'm going to quarantine in the spirit, just so you know. If you're online listening, I will be quarantined in the spirit for 14 days. So I, I went to Pennsylvania, and there, there's a thousand people in church on a Friday night, and they're not wearing masks. And so I'm freaked out by that. And, and then I'm like, I don't even know if I want to prophesy tonight, you know, because I'll probably get it wrong like everybody else. I don't just say it. It was really rough in my head. I'm like wrestling with this thing. And the pastor did a beautiful thing like you just did, kind of just shared three, I had been in relationship with that church about seven years, and he's like, here's three times he was here, and these are the things that have buildings and eagles showing up that I prophesied, and rain that, I, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, whoa, I'm a good prophet, I prophesied rain, and rain came, and, and a building, and eagles fly past their windows, apparently, because I said it. I'm like, man, I want to prophesy to myself. This is really good. I felt really encouraged. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, Lord, if you can do that through me like back then, you can do that now. Give me a word. And so I'm sitting there and the Lord's like, just tell him I'm going to give him a field of dreams. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good movie. Let's go with that. You know, build it and they will come. And so I got up and said, you know, I didn't have any prophetic words for you guys, and I really didn't even want to prophesy this weekend, but here's what the Lord says. I'm going to give you a field of dreams. And then I talked about what will happen in this field, three things that would happen. And then I preached, and I prayed for people. I felt really good. Um, I wasn't sure about the prophecy part of it, but everybody seemed to think it was all right, so I was so happy with it. Um, I survived. I didn't get stoned, and, and that's good. I didn't have to go on an apology tour afterwards. I may have to later, but I'm just sure. So the pa I get off the platform, and the pastor goes, that field of dreams is right behind my office. Let's go look at it, because the guy who owns it was here tonight, and he heard that word. And I'm like, oh, that was real? He's like, oh, yeah, that's real. I'm like, yay, prophecy still works. So let me just tell you, it's 2021. It's a new year. Prophecy's going to be really good this year, all right? So, all right, good. All right. Now, I know you guys didn't have any problem disbelieving in, in prophecy, but, you know, I just wanted, in case there's anybody here, and I needed to say it for myself, too. And I also, I also believe that God is inviting us into a season where we don't just have more prophecy, we have mature prophecy. We don't just have more prophets, but we have mature prophets, because that's part of what Ephesians does, is it grows us up into the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. And so, all right, that's my little rant and on the end of what Pastor, because he got me fired up about, he got me so fired up about prophecy. I was like, I was just going to preach about 
something else, but now I'm excited about prophecy. I actually, it's good. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter uh, 13. I want to pick up where we left off last night, and we did, there were some really powerful words, Dave. I was actually in the residue of that last night for this church and really the movement. I'm just going to call it a movement. You know, you guys call it a network. I'll call it a movement. I think you guys are called to be a movement, and there are different types of communities. There are local churches and regional churches, and there are apostolics or the resource centers. Even if they don't call themselves apostolic, they're resource centers. And then there are movements. And I think that you're called to be a movement. I think that you have a very unique DNA, and movements have a unique DNA, and I think it's transferable. So I'm excited for what God's going to do because I believe this is a season of harvest. <laughs> it's a season of harvest. And so we're going to talk today about your due season. Your due season. This is where we left off last night. So this is kind of a part two from last night. And this is from uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. I'm going to read this. This is the parable of the sower and the seed. You're probably familiar with this. This is the first parable. Last night we talked about how Jesus had to leave the house to get out into the culture. And then he began to speak about parables. And I started with a dream. I'll recap it very briefly that I had uh, probably almost 20 years ago, to be honest with you, over 15 for sure. And I walked into a restaurant and I asked for my order to go. And the person at the cash register said, you need to go wait over there. And they pointed me to a pub table where there was a father and a son. I sat next to the son and the son looked at me and said, you need to understand Matthew 13. It's about the kingdom. Now, I understood this dream to mean that the church is looking for its order to go, to be the apostolic representation of God on the earth, to be the church. And when I say apostolic, the ecclesia was a Greek body that would be people that gathered together in the city gates to be, to talk about what was happening in their city and then to go out and to influence that change. And Jesus used the word ecclesia when he said that I will build my church on this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when he said on this rock, he was standing in front of the ruins of a pagan temple and he was saying on this rock, on where the devil build his kingdom on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and I believe that we're in a time where God is equipping us and preparing us to go into some places of a culture that look very uh, godless and and as culture gets darker the kingdom shines brighter and it's the best day for the church and so in this dream when the son looked at me and I, I felt like what this meant for us is that God has been teaching us for the last 20 years, if you will, about identity, about sonship. And I believe the next season is about inheritance. It's about the kingdom because out of identity comes inheritance. And I believe this is what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 13. So let's read this. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he received the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word immediately, reaches, receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. When tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, and it will arise because of the word, has to be tested to come to, to come to fruition. Because of the word, immediately he stumbles. 
Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word out and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it and who indeed bears fruit producing some hundredfold, some sixties, some thirty. I don't want to be a thirtyfold Christian. I don't want to be a sixtyfold Christian. I want to be a hundredfold Christian. And Jesus is really talking here, if we look at the literal part of this parable, he said the sower sows what? The word. The seed is the word of God. Who's the word of God? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, John 1. Jesus is the word. Jesus is actually saying, because we talked about last night, Jesus had to leave the voice of the mother and the brothers, in order to discover who is his new mother, he's talking about the new Jerusalem is your mother, the church, the ecclesia. And so he's continuing the conversation because the people that left the house with him gathered around him, and he's saying that the word, the sower sows the word. The father sowed the word into the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, who is the word, and he scattered Jesus, he scattered the word into the world, and he said, not everybody will receive it. Not everybody will receive the word. So he's talking about the kingdom, and he's talking to people that are in Judaism that there are some things that you have to overcome in order to receive who Jesus is. That's the basis of this lesson. But we can also apply it in other ways, and I want to apply it to you in this way. I want to apply it to you that God has sowed a word into your life. God has sowed the kingdom into your life, and there are things that have to happen in order for you to receive the fullness, the 100-fold return of the kingdom that he wants you to receive. And many times what happens is we define our season by what's happening around us, but I want to tell you, your season is not defined by the season you're in. Your season is defined by the seed that you sow. The season's defined by the seed because the 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 seed revealed the soil. It was the same seed everywhere, but the seed is what reveals the soil. And so when you sow, what you sow is where your harvest is. Your harvest is not in your season. The, se the harvest season comes. Your harvest is in your seed. And so what we do in a season where we have disruption or loss or change determines what harvest we will, what will, we will accomplish later on. For instance, this I, I said last night, the last time I was here was in 2017, and it was a very auspicious occasion because my daughter met her husband, her, her now current husband here. He lives in Nebraska, and they were doing some kind of internet dating thing it wasn't dating it was playing games but it's like how do you meet somebody on the internet and i'm like is this is this for real is this going to be some like middle-aged guy sitting in his basement like what's going on you know what i'm saying it's crazy you know what i mean if you got a daughter you're you and you got a gun you're thinking about these things and so <laughs> and i did mention i have my concealed carry permit you know young man so all right <laughs> and so i don't I, I'm not carrying now. I'm just kidding. I'm packing something else, all right? I'm loaded for bear today in the spirit. So, 
So he came here because he's from Omaha. He's a great kid. We love him. We love him. We got married. They got married at the end of 2019. And I mentioned one of the meetings this weekend. It was like I found out that you can have joy and sadness at the same time because I was so happy the day she got married. And the next day it felt like somebody died. I mean, has any father ever given their daughter away? Like, oh my goodness. You know, like, my life is ruined. <laughs> like, my daughter and I would drink coffee every day together. And like, who's going to drink coffee? I'm crying in my coffee. Oh, my God. We still FaceTime on Saturday mornings to drink coffee coffee because I just can't, I'm still in denial that she's gone. But one of the things that was hardest was walking by an empty room in the house that it created because when you have an empty room, it reminds you, the emptiness reminds you of what you lost. And it reminds you of the good things too, but we decided to turn this empty room into a prayer room. And that's a good thing. And so I spent a lot of time praying in the spirit um, in 2020 because I didn't know what else to pray. You know, when people call you and say, what's the Lord telling you? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, it's like I don't even have, I don't have a word from the Lord, and I don't even know what to pray. So what do you do when you don't know what to pray? It's better to pray what you can't understand than pray what you shouldn't. That's what the Bible says. It says pray, and when you, when you don't have to pray with understanding, pray in the Spirit. You know, and not just to make that super spiritual for you, don't pray the wrong stuff. Pray weird stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> I spent a lot of time in that prayer room, you know, praying in the spirit. And I want to tell you that I didn't know it, but I was sowing the seeds for my next season. Because in May, actually, it was May 17th. I just celebrated a year after the day after our anniversary. I was taking a, a little motorcycle ride on Sunday afternoon. And I took a little wide turn, I think, on some, hit some sand. I don't know because I don't remember anything that happened, but I woke up in the hospital uh, three hours later. I don't remember anything from the accident. The first memory I have <clears throat> is hearing a voice behind me. And it wasn't the voice of the Lord. <laughs> it was the voice of the nurse saying, Sir, sir, where are you from? What country are you from? And I said, I'm from here. Why? She said, because you've been talking really loud in a language I've never heard before for the last five minutes. Seriously. Now, if you know me, I'm sort of like a bridge builder. I'm not like a shofar blower or a flag waver. I'm more the guy that's like, let me just talk to you about marketplace prophecy. And I have an encouraging word for you. And, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not like, I'm a Christian and I got a word from the Lord for you. That's not me. But I had a lot of medication in me. Apparently, they shot me up with some stuff. And so I blurted out, oh, I'm a Christian. That's my heavenly prayer language. And, and awkward silence was the response. I mean, if there were crickets, they would have chirped because it was, nobody said anything. <laughs> and so, and I, and I didn't know, how do you follow that? You know what I mean? It's like nobody wants to give their life to Jesus now. It's like, you just ruined it all. So a few hours later, they wheeled me up. They took me up to my um, recovery room. They kept me overnight because I had a concussion and some cracked ribs and things like that and I'm still resolving and I don't think my I think my brain's pretty good my wife's not sure I think she's she's actually thinks it's really good but um the nurse came in to take my information on, on the seventh floor she said I'm your floor nurse I just have to get information in the computer and she's asking me questions and I I'm still kind of you know happy from whatever they gave me and I'm like hey you sound your voice sounds familiar were you downstairs in the trauma room and she said yes sir I was and I said, would you be the nurse that asked me if I was from another country? 
And she didn't answer the question. She said, well, sir, people say strange things when they're on medicine. So she said, I said, well, I say strange things when I'm not on medication. So, <laughs> and I said, you know, it might be sound, sound strange to you, but I'm a follower of Jesus, and Jesus talks to me about people, and he's telling me something about you. And she said, that's nice, sir. <laughs> she's really polite, because, you know, she's got to do her job. And I said, he's telling me you have an eight-year-old daughter. Do you have an eight-year-old daughter? And she said, well, I do, sir. That's strange, but I do. And I said, and she likes to draw pictures. Like, she draws cartoon characters a lot. She said, sir? She does. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> You know, who are you? I said, no, it's not important who I am. I, I want to tell you about Jesus because Jesus is telling me that your daughter also loves music. That's her first love is singing and playing the piano. And she stopped because she had a teacher that was really hard on her. And Jesus loves it so much when she plays the piano and sings. And my nurse starts weeping right there and gives her life to Jesus in my, in my hospital room. <clears throat> which tells me I'm a better evangelist when I'm jacked up on pain meds, apparently. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an introverted prophet, but just give me a little caffeine or some pain meds, and I'll, pre I'll preach the gospel. <laughs> and what I realized was that in his weakness, I mean, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And I spent those those days praying in my prayer room and what came out of me at my weakest moment was what I put into me in my time of loss. And so your season's in your seed. Somebody say, my season's in my seed. It's, it's important because if we think our season just comes whenever life changes, it doesn't. Your season comes whenever you decide to scatter the seed. And that's, that's important. It, it says this in... Um, Galatians chapter 6, and talking about your due seasons. Galatians chapter 6, 6 through 9. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that also will he reap. For he who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know, it says, the sower sows the seed, and he who understands it, the, those who do not understand it, the wicked one will come, which, which tells us that there's different kinds of soil. I'm not going to go through all these soils. I'm just actually going to talk about the first one, but there's different kinds of soils, and there's different kinds of harvests that come because of the seed being received and where it was sown. But this scripture tells us something that, that when we sow natural seed, we get a natural harvest, but when we sow spiritual seed, we get a supernatural harvest. So there's a choice. Do we want to have a natural harvest or a supernatural harvest? That's important to know. But he also does say, you actually can miss a harvest that's been prepared for you because if you grow weary in well-doing, which means if you don't, if you stop doing the right thing, you may miss your moment. That's important to know because sometimes we get tired and we think, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. 
Like maybe we need to do something different because this is actually wearing me out. No, that's the point of it is that a supernatural harvest comes when you come to the end of yourself and you keep doing the right thing when you come to the end of yourself and then God's like, wow, you really believe this thing. Poof, here we go. It's your due season. And this word due is a very important word and it it applies to this scripture of the different soils because this is a very individual harvest. This word due doesn't mean it's not a temporal harvest. So your harvest or your season is not a temporal season. This doesn't mean like your bills are due and so you pay it when it comes due or your inheritance is is due and it comes due. This word due actually means a, a personal harvest or a private season, which tells me that you can be in a personal season while the world is in a corporate season and those seasons might be different so that my personal private season, my due season is not determined by the season of delay or disappointment or disruption that the world is going through because it's my season. It's my personal season. It's my private season and it's because of the seed that I sowed in this last season. And so what I want to say to you is your due season is not dependent on someone else's season. Your due season is not dependent on the world's season. The world could be in one season and you're in another season because it's your season. And it's actually biblical to say it. It's my season, right? Say it. So look at this person next to you and say, it's my season. And it doesn't mean it's my season, like, oh, it's my time. I'm waiting for my time. It's my time. I've been waiting long enough. I'm tired of waiting. That's a temporal view of seasons. Guess what? In heaven, the Bible says the trees bear fruit every month. Every month. Every season is a season of fruit in heaven. And Psalm 1 says that a righteous man, a righteous woman is like a tree planted by the river of living water. It's a picture of heaven giving forth fruit in every season, in due season. Whatever their hands does will prosper. Their leaf will not wither. The trees in heaven don't go through death. They are healing leaves that constantly renew, repair, restore. And that's who you are. This is your season. Say, it's my season. That's important to know because you could be weary and you're still in your due season. Because how you feel doesn't determine what the seed is about to reveal. Because when you're weary and well-doing, it says don't become weary and well-doing, which means to back out, to check out, to to turn back. So if you don't turn back, you will receive your harvest. And so I I had this experience. Sort of my personal journey was I was was a pastor and we experienced revival. And then I literally started getting these crazy words about going to nations. And it was... You know, probably something that was a secret prayer in my heart, but it wasn't something that I, like, you know, planned. It's like, how do you plan to be a prophet to nations? Like, how do you plan that? But if God has something for you as you walk in relationship, you kind of, I call it, stumble into your destiny. You know, you stumble into your destiny. And I remember in um, 2000, the end of 2005, I got an invitation uh, to the first nation that I went to to as a as a, when I was in prophetic ministry and it was Italy and I thank God that he 
send me to hardcore missions place for my first missions trip as a prophetic voice. And I'll serve God in Italy any day, amen. And so as I was uh, preparing to go, about two weeks before, I was just sitting with the Lord. I remember sitting in my, I was looking at the schedule of where I was going to be, and I happened to be, had flipped on the TV, it might have been on ESPN or something, and there was a soccer game on, and it was during the World Cup tournament, early in the tournament, and it was Italy playing Australia. And as I'm looking at my notes and looking at my schedule, I realized, oh my goodness, the final of the World Cup is going to be played while I'm in Italy. Uh, this would be bad if Italy gets into the finals. And I remember saying out loud, Lord, don't let them win. You're like, <laughs> like, this will mess up my conference when I go to Rome. I was going to be in Rome the night of the World Cup final. And literally, as soon as I kind of thought those words or said those words out loud, I had this vision in my head, and it was the Brazilian soccer team handing the World Cup to the Italian soccer team. And the Lord said, no, they're going to win the World Cup this year, and it's a sign that they're going to bring a revival like is in Brazil to Italy. And I'm like, that's a weird word to get while you're just sitting watching TV. You know, I wasn't even in the spirit on the Lord's day. I was literally drinking iced tea, watching ESPN, right? And so now I, I fast forward a couple weeks later, I arrived to Rome on a Friday night. And um, we now know that Italy's going to play in the final game on Sunday night against France. And they're the very, 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 very large underdog. And nobody expected Italy to, to win. In fact, they were like, <laughs> the pastor said, there are, there are contests all around the country where furniture stores and TV stores are giving away TVs. And you don't have to, you don't have to pay for it unless Italy doesn't win. <laughs> or unless Italy wins. If, if Italy wins, then you get the TV for free. And so these people are buying TVs expecting like, oh, it's, it's, just a, it's just a gamble, right? And they actually had stores that went out of business because <laughs> Sunday night I show up for church. I prophesy on Friday night, the Lord spoke to me that Italy's going to win the World Cup and it's a sign of revival coming to Italy. And people went crazy. They believed what I said. Maybe because I was American. I don't know. Maybe because I was clueless, I didn't know anything about soccer. They call it football, I call it soccer, because we know football is something you throw with your hand. For some reason, they think it's something you kick with your foot. What's all that about? And so they show up Sunday night for the final service with flags and, and shirts, and they will have worship. They have a pregame warm-up. At the end of the service, I go back to the pastor's office. I'm just eating dinner, and they're watching. They have the game on. They've got it on the big screens. They've got it on the little screens. They've got it on the speakers. They're, they come knocking on my door. Prophet, 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 what, what, what? They're, in the, they're kicking the penalty kicks. What does that mean? It means it's a tie game. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, whoever wins the penalty kicks wins. I'm like, okay. They're like, you have to come. I'm like, oh, because if they don't win, I'm in trouble, right? So they're all watching around the screens, and I'm in the back on my knees saying, Jesus, please, Jesus. And I hear a scream, Italy wins the game, you know, and they're like, Italy won. I'm like, I knew it. I told you, you know. And their reaction was cool. You ever been to an Italian wedding where they put the bride and the groom on chairs, and they dance around? They kind of did that. It was like the bride and the groom, and they put me on a chair. Like, I'm, I'm like, what's going on, you know? So this was a moment. This was like a season of promotion for me. It was super cool. I was there in Italy for like almost three weeks, and then I was leaving. And as I was leaving to go to Rome, I had to travel a long day. It took me 18 hours to get to the airport in a car, and then a train, and then another airplane, domestic, and then another train. And I finally got to Rome. I was tired. I got to the gate, and they delayed the plane. 
And I'm like, you know what? I just want to get home to my family. I've been gone for three weeks, and everybody is complaining that the plane is delayed. And I was starting to feel tired, and I was starting to complain. And I watched this couple. They walked away from the gate, and I'm like, you know, now this was not an American airline. It was actually the Italian airline. So everybody was talking in Italian as well. So it was kind of messing with my head. So I wanted to just get away and get some quiet. So I followed this couple. I don't know why I followed them because I was tired probably. But they got into an elevator, and I end up in the elevator with them because I was following. I don't even know why, but it, the elevator in the elevator said Executive Club second level, and they pushed the button, and I'm like, oh, we're going to the Executive Club. So I thought, well, for a second, I thought maybe I could pass myself off as their son or something like that, you know? I didn't know. I was just so tired. And so they walk into the club, and they go to the counter, and they show a card, and the lady says, welcome in, and they go in, and then I'm left standing there staring at the lady, and she says, yes, sir, can I help you? I said, um, I don't have my card with me because I didn't have a card. And she said, well, do you have a ticket? I said, yeah, I have a ticket. And she said, oh, your frequent flyer number is your card. Welcome in. I'm like, really? I think she just had mercy on me. She knew I was clueless, right? Because the first time I was ever in a lounge, you know, an international, ever, I thought there was all this stuff, and I thought, this is going to be too expensive. I can't buy this stuff. I didn't know it was for free. I mean, I was sitting there. The flight was delayed for a half an hour. Then it got delayed an hour. Then it was going to get delayed three hours. After the first hour, I'm like, oh man, I'm hungry. So I asked a guy walking by, I'm like, how much is the stuff here? He's like, sir, everything's free here. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, like, how much is a cappuccino? He's like, no, everything's free. I'm like, free cappuccino? That's like Isaiah 55. Come buy milk without cost, coffee without money, you know? Cappuccino. It's a sign of God's favor. And so I get delayed three hours, and I just downing free cappuccinos. I got like, 10 cappuccinos in me. And I'm thinking, this is going to be the best trip going home because I have so much energy. I can watch the whole trilogy of the Lord of the Rings on the way home. I'm, I got a plan in my head. I'm like, another cappuccino. It's like, my precious, my precious. And so, and so after three hours, you know, I'm, all, I'm super happy and excited about this flight. And I get, and this is my first international trip, so I'm not sitting in a good seat. I'm in the back in a middle seat, but I got so much cappuccino and Jesus. I'm happy. You know, the people on the left or right of me are looking at me. I'm like, this is great, isn't it? This is really good. Did you have any cappuccino? No, we didn't. We've been waiting three hours downstairs, you know? <laughs> it's funny, though. I could have chosen to be in the complaining crowd, too. But instead, I went and I followed somebody who knew they had favor on their life. <laughs> and I got some free cappuccino, which tells you something that maybe there's a metaphor for you there. But the voice comes over the loudspeaker and it says, Mr. Hazlett, please come to the front of the plane. And so I go to the front of the plane. And I said, yeah, you have cappuccino up here? <laughs> so he said, sir, you're in the wrong seat. We have a seat for you in first class. I'm like, do you have cappuccino here? He said, yeah. <laughs> you have cappuccino here. It was my first time ever flying first class ever, and it was international first class on the way back from Italy. And, and I felt like the Lord said, you know, you could have chosen to stay in an old season. So, see, what I want to tell you is your season isn't in your season, it's in your seed. It's, it's really in your seed, and it's your personal season, it's your due season. Say, it's my due season. 
It is, and, and you can choose your season. The second thing we see here in this story is, is this, is that not only is your season personal, but your season is progressive. It's, it's a process. Like, it has to be walked out. This is very interesting what Jesus says here. He says, look, the sower sows a seed, but anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the enemy comes and the wicked one comes and snatches it away. This word understand isn't just like, oh, I get it or uh, I comprehend it. It's actually a word that has to do with being a companion with something, actually walking it out, like being next to it and walking through it. It's companioning with your word. So you could actually have a word from God, but if you don't companion with it, you won't, it won't be revealed to you. You remember when, after Jesus was resurrected, there were a couple of the disciples walking down the road, the road to Emmaus, and they were walking with Jesus, and they didn't recognize him? It's a cool story. It's also a, it kind of a, kind of challenges us that there's sometimes Jesus is walking with us in a season, and we don't recognize him, but it's okay if we keep walking with him. We keep walking with him, and it's, it's such a cool story if, if you read it, because it says that they did not recognize him, but their eyes were restrained. It says their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. But they keep walking with him, and they invite him into their house. And as he, listen to what happens. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and, they van, and he vanished from their sight. But did you know when their eyes were open? It's when they broke the bread. It's whenever they, whenever they commune together. And what I'm saying to you is that sometimes it feels like your seasons walk the other way. But if your season is in the word and you're walking with the word, you're walking into your season even though you don't know it. Companioning with your word will actually bring you to a place of the fulfillment of your word. And I think this is what Jesus is actually saying. It's not the soil that's the problem. It's the, the issue is that whenever we don't companion with the word. When, and he said it, Paul said, fight the fight, good fight of faith with the prophetic words that are over your life. What are the promises that God wants you to companion with with this season? What are the things that God wants you to walk with? Because your word isn't just personal. It's progressive. It's, pro, it's a process. And as you walk into it, guess what? Eventually, your eyes are open. And you say, oh, I'm actually, in, I'm actually in a good season. I actually, there actually is free cappuccino in this season. Back to the cappuccino. Sorry about that. I had two shots in my coffee earlier, so I'm still a little bit excited about that. The third thing is here is that your season needs to be possessed. So your season's personal and your season needs to be processed, but your season needs to be possessed. It says that whenever the sower um, sowed the seed and they didn't companion with it, didn't walk with it, the wicked one comes and snatches away. You see, the enemy, he only can do a few things. He's got a pretty narrow job description. He's a thief, he steals, he kills, and he destroys. The first sermon I preached in uh, January of 2020 was from John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I preached a sermon called From Empty to Epic. I said, this is going to be a year we go from empty to epic. This is going to be a year where the thief tries to come and steal, kill, and destroy. But God's going to have the last word. 
Because Jesus actually says in John 10, 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But, <laughs> so God's kicks the devil's butt. <laughs> God says, but I have come. So the thief comes to steal, but. The, the thief comes to kill, but. The thief comes to destroy, but, which means that there is a moment of time where you see what the enemy wants to do, but God comes in and says, but I have come. But I have, well, there's a worldwide pandemic, but I have come. And I, I started January with that message, and two weeks later, I was on my way back to church to preach the second part of that message, and I passed a fire truck and some car trucks and an ambulance, and I, it was a little accident that I went by, and it, I had to drive carefully because there was black ice. I don't know if you get black ice here. It's just when it rains and, and, it, and it freezes on the ground. And I looked over, and it was my daughter, and her car was just smashed and um, her car was total. She was actually, she had left before me because she was on the worship team uh, that week. And her car was total. She was totally fine, got out without a scratch. But isn't it interesting how I started with, but the thief comes to steal. Then we were shut down a few weeks later. Just about a month after that, I was, um, I got a call from my sister. And um, her and her husband had been struggling with, they had gotten COVID as a family. And they were all wrestling with it. We were praying for them. And my my brother-in-law had a heart condition. He had a stint in his heart. And she called me. She said, Jeff, he's out. I'm trying to bring him back. It just went to his heart. It hit his heart. And I called the paramedics, and we prayed. We tried to pray him back, but he, he passed. He, it, the thief comes to kill. But I have come. It's real. Like the world we live in, Jesus said, hey, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart. But take heart, for I have overcome this world. I want to tell you, we've all experienced something in our life, and maybe it wasn't because of, you know, a pandemic, but maybe it was with the responses to, of, of the culture to it. Maybe it was the response of other people to it, or maybe it was your own response. But I want to tell you that the enemy wants to come and possess your promise. But here's what Jesus says. This word snatched is exactly the same word as the scripture I'm going to read to you. And you're going to, when I read it, you're going to be like, oh, now I get it. Jesus said in, in Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom has been suffering violence, and the violent take it by force. The violent snatch it. Can I tell you something? The devil comes to snatch your promise, but I have come so that you can snatch it back. And I believe that this is a, a year where you take back what the thief stole. You take back what the thief killed. You take back what the thief destroyed. If you recognize your due season. Of what Paul says in Romans 5, I don't like it when I read it, but it's, it's Bible. He says, we did not only glory We do not only glory in our hope, but we glory in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, hope, and hope does not disappoint. There's something about knowing Christ in this season that is important for us as people of faith to understand that Jesus came as a suffering servant. The Western church doesn't do good with this. The Eastern church does it a lot better. 
because they, celeb- they, they celebrate Jesus' death. We celebrate his resurrection. We like Resurrection Sunday. But Jesus shows his humanity not in his resurrection. He shows his humanity in his death. It's a very human moment. Death is not something God experiences. Death is something humans experience. And Jesus came to identify with us in our suffering and in death so that we will identify with him in our resurrection, right? Resurrection life. This is, this is very important to understand because if we, don't, if we miss this moment, we realize that there is a koinonia with him in our sufferings that doesn't have the fellowship. We want to know him in the power of his resurrection, but we have to share in the fellowship of his suffering. There's a way of knowing God that doesn't happen outside of suffering, outside of injustice, outside of even persecution. And so the enemy wants to try to come and snatch something from us. But God, the kingdom comes in that moment. And the kingdom, Jesus said, it comes with violence. It comes with force. It comes with power. And I believe that the the opposition of the enemy prophesies the force of the kingdom that's about to be released in your life. So the force at which the kingdom of darkness tries to come and steal, kill, and destroy is prophesying the force at which the kingdom of God is going to come and advance in your life. And this is, a, this is something that we have to hold on to because Jesus... He destroyed the powers of darkness. He defeated hell, death, and the grave. The Bible says that Jesus led captivity captive, and he made an open show of the enemy. That's a very graphic picture, by the way. It means he stripped the enemy naked. He paraded him in front of people and humiliated him and showed he's impotent and he has no power. Sorry for the graphicness of it, but it's extremely graphic. But you, you missed a word that, that's in the scripture, through the cross. How was, how, how was, what was Jesus on the cross? He was stripped naked. He was humiliated. He was made an open show in front of people. He suffered injustice. And in his suffering, in his humiliation, in his being stripped and being mistreated, in that he made an open show of the enemy. What if when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, what if when he strips you and rips you off, humiliates you, betrays you, shows his hand, what if in that God actually releases the power to strip him of his power, to make an open show of him? What if your suffering actually actually makes an open show of the enemy's weakness? What if if you worship him, if you glory in your sufferings, if you praise him in your pain, if you worship him in your warfare, how many more analogies do you need? When you do that, you strip the enemy naked and you parade him before the kingdom of God as empty and impotent and powerless because it's by the power of the cross. 
And this is something that we are learning as a church, not just the power of the resurrection, but the glory of sharing in his sufferings. Why? Because that is what makes the enemy weak when we show our humanity is able to worship God. Our humanity is able to praise God. It's not our divinity that makes us powerful. It's him working in our weakness. It's when his strength is, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. His strength isn't made perfect on your best day. His strength isn't made perfect when you get the A. His strength isn't made perfect. His strength is made perfect when you get the F minus. His strength is made perfect. His strength is made perfect when you study hard and you don't get the grade you think you deserve. His strength is made perfect when you fail the class, when you miss the class, when you get canceled. His strength is made perfect in those times. This is your due season. It's when you realize that I'm not my season is not determined by the disappointment, the disruption, and the delays around me. My season is determined by the seed that I sow in personal seasons. And I wonder if you recognize that God watched you last year when you chose to pray Psalm 91 over your family, when you chose to sing the blessing song, when you chose to worship him in your weakness and in your warfare. You see, I believe that God is about to do something in the world, and it's not just a church of power that is going to display God's greatness to the world. It's a church that suffers well, it's a church that worships well in injustice. It's a church that represents the Christ, not only of the resurrection, but the Christ of the cross. I know it's not a happy word. But the only way to resurrection is through death. To share in the fellowship of his suffering. Let me make this more personal for you. What makes your word, your seed powerful? isn't the life. The seed only becomes powerful when it dies. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies. And it's when you believe in the word, when the word looks dead, that the power of the word is released in your life. It's when you believe in the promise of your marriage, when your marriage looks dead. It's when you believe in the power of God's hand on your family and your children, when your children have left the church, left the faith, left, left believing in themselves, when the seed looks dead and you still companion with it. When the seed looks dead and you still take hold of it by force. It's when the promise for your healing isn't manifested after the first, second, or the 20th prayer. It's when you're shut down, turns into a loss of a family member, turns into almost a loss of your own life, and turns into delay number three, shutdown number three. It's, it's, it's then, 
it's then that the power of the seed is released because when you walk with and companion with your word when it looks dead that's when the power of resurrection life is released you have to take it by force i was um i was in australia years ago I've told this story before but I feel like there's something on this the testimony of Jesus today because I feel like there's unusual miracles that God wants to start to release in the church and I would tell you a story of one of my most unusual miracles that happened and it didn't happen easy it happened when I had to fight for it. I had to take it by force I had to keep with it and I was at the end of a three-day conference in Australia and the, the last Sunday morning I was gonna fly right after the service drive to the airport and fly from Sydney to New York actually from Perth to Sydney and then Sydney to New York and then at the end of the service there was a line of people I prayed for and at the end of the line was a, a, a young girl she was about 21 years old and she was sitting with her parents and she asked for prayer for her hand she reached out her hand and it was um, kind of a deformed hand it was, it was frozen in place like this and she had scars on her wrist because at four years old she had gone through a plate glass window and she had messed up her hand the tendons the nerves and everything her hand was frozen like this it was a withered hand basically almost and she asked for prayer and i said i sure i'd love to pray for it and i prayed for the first time i prayed for the nerves the tendon to be restored the hand to be to be released and i asked her to open her hand and, and she couldn't and and i said it is okay if i pray again and i was going to pray again i was i set myself sort of to pray as many times as it needed to at least to like relieve my conscience it actually wasn't like I had a super great gift of faith, like I'm gonna pray until this happens. It was sort of like, well, I'm gonna give it at least two or three shots because that's what Jesus did. So, and then I could at least say, hey, Jesus prayed a couple times. And so I put my hand on her again. And before I could pray, I saw this picture in my head and I saw this picture of her playing the piano with two hands. And she was singing a song that she wrote. And I stopped, I opened my eyes. And I said, can you look at me for a second? I just saw this strange picture. I got a word, it was a seed. I said, I saw this picture of you and you're playing the piano with two hands and you were singing a song that you had written. I said, do you play the piano? And she started to well up with tears and she said, I just started to play the piano a year ago, but I could just play with one hand. And I said, well, I think this is God. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, have, I don't have that much faith, but I'm also not dumb. So I, I'm, I mean, I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid. Like I'm going to pray, okay? And I just pray, God, just give her to, to give her two brand new piano hands, beautiful piano hands. And I asked her to open her hand and she opened her hand just like that, just like that. It's a beautiful story. I mean, it's, it's still one of the most dramatic miracles that I, I've seen. And I, I often wonder, what if I wouldn't have prayed a second time? Like, what if I wouldn't have companioned with the word? What if I wouldn't have? And sometimes it's when the seed dies that the picture of what it looks like when it comes alive really, really, when you companion with it, when it looks dead, you get the picture of what it looks like when it comes to life. And by the time I reached um, actually LA from Sydney and then I had to still fly to New York, but when I got into LA, I had a message from her on social media. She said, I went home today and I played the piano with two hands for the first time. And I wrote a song about my healing. And I called my pastor. I called my pastor and I played it for him. And he said, you're playing that next Sunday in church and we're gonna pray for healing of people. Because when you take your word by force, guess what? The seed multiplies. 
So I just want to tell you that what you have been through or what you've experienced is actually not just so that God comes and gives you life to the full, but that through your promise, through your word, he gives you a harvest of righteousness. He gives you a multiplication of your seed. He gives you more, exceedingly abundantly, more than you can ask or think. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me to your feet. And first of all, I want to pray a couple things, but I really feel like there's grace for, as, 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 as I was just pondering this during worship, I felt like the Lord wants to heal crippledness. He wants to heal arthritic conditions that are crippling conditions. I feel like he wants to heal bones that have been degenerated. I feel like he wants to do something creative in this place. I feel like he wants the fullness of what God, what Jesus paid for for you. I want to pray for that in just a moment. But before we do, if you're here today and you haven't received the seed of the word of God, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus came to die so that when in his death that who we were died with him so that when he resurrected who we are created to be resurrects with him that when we believe he is who he said he is the son of God who came and died for us and rose again and we confess that with our mouth that we actually become who he says we are he became sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God and when you say that out loud it actually is an exchange of your nature for his nature and then all the old things are made new and the dead things come alive. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, or if you need to come back to Jesus today, this is a moment where I believe you can. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment. And if you're here and you'd say, I, I want to give my life to Jesus today, I just want you to slip a hand up so I can see that hand. And we're going to pray in just a moment all over this place. Anyone you need to give your life to Jesus or give it back to Jesus. Thank you. There's a couple people in the balcony. And if we're going to pray this together in just a moment, but if you pray this prayer for the first time, I'm going to invite you to come and meet one of the leaders in the front row. They'll connect you with some things you can do to walk forward in your faith. But I want, I want you to pray this out loud with me. And even if you didn't raise your hand and you've never prayed it, you can pray it. But I want everybody in this room to pray with me out loud. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Come into my life. Make all the old things new. Make all the dead things alive. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God thanks. second prayer I want to pray before I pray for healing because I do believe that there's a grace for healing today uh, if you're here and you feel like there is a, a specific seed that's died or a specific promise in your life or something that you want to say I want to companion with God in this area of my life I'm not going to grow weary and well-doing I will reap in due season it's my season I will I will have a personal season and, and I will process I will possess my promise if you feel like this is a word for you I just want you to put both hands up and I want to pray for you because father I just declare right now a due season that you came to bring us into I declare a due season I pray God that you would begin to manifest things so quickly like the like the how quickly 
there was an opening of the gospel for my, my, my trauma room nurse. How quickly there's a receptivity. I, I just thank you, Lord, that there's such, there is such a grace for people to receive Christ right now. I just pray, God, that they would be empowered to release the kingdom to people and see a harvest so quickly. But I also pray right now for those that have become weary and well-doing. I speak right now that the spirit of weariness and heaviness is lifting off you in Jesus' name. For he gives you a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. He gives you a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And he gives you the oil of joy. And those of you who have gone through loss in the last season, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, loss of an expectation, loss of a hope, it is okay to mourn. He is close to the brokenhearted, but he also gives you the oil of joy for mourning. He gives you the oil of joy for mourning. And so, Father, I thank you for a release of the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. In Jesus' name, God. Release it, God. Release the oil of joy on those who have gone. This may not be for everybody in this room, but I know there's some people that have gone through some mourning. And I pray for a release of the oil of joy. Why? Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We declare right now, the devil not, will, will not wear us down. We will wear him out. We, he will not wear us down because the oil of joy is our strength. We will not become weary and well-doing. We will reap because we will not faint. We will not faint. We will not faint. We will not faint. God, I thank you for the oil of joy being poured out today on your sons and daughters. And I hear the Lord say, this has been a year where the enemy has gone after the younger generation, especially they've been disillusioned by the culture. They've been perplexed by what's going on in this world. Maybe they've fallen for ideologies that were not of the kingdom of God. Maybe they've walked away from relationship. But I hear the Lord say, you watch how I restore this generation in a day. You watch how I restore this generation in a day. Get ready. And the Lord spoke this to me last night and I asked Christopher, like, where's the young adult, you know, pastor? And he's like, they're not here. But I'm like, I am prophesying to you. Your young adult group is going to explode. Your young adult, your young adult group is going to explode. And there's going to be an anointing of the oil of joy that is going to break off a spirit of suicide off this generation, a spirit of depression off this generation. And this generation will not be marked by mental illness. This generation will be marked by the wholeness of their soul and the oil of joy. And I hear the Lord say, get ready for a radical, a radical Z generation, a radical Z generation, a radical generation. The next generation after the millennials is going to be so joyful, so radical, so creative, so engaged with God and we'll let the millennials come in there too we'll let them come in there too that's fine but I'm just saying watch what happens in your youth and young adults because there is going to be such an outpouring they're coming back to the father's house they're coming back to the father's table they're coming back they're coming back they're coming back they're coming back because they have been targeted and and this this year will mark them but it will not define them 
<laughs> it will not define them. It will not define them. It will not define them. And they're going to be a generation that breaks off trauma from the culture. So, Father, I thank you for the oil of joy. I want you guys, today I want you to go home and I want you to celebrate the fact that your children and your grandchildren are coming back to the Father's house. And I'm just going to say this too, and I, I, I honestly have avoided politics. I have avoided politics this whole year. But I am saying that God is going to anoint a young generation to become so involved in civil service, in serving in their communities, that you will see a shift even in ideologies because of a younger generation that's going to be a generation of holiness, a generation of justice, and they will have a voice of racial justice, but they will have a, joy, a voice of freedom because God didn't just come to bring freedom and liberty. He came to bring justice for all. And justice and freedom will walk together in a generation. Justice and freedom. And we will not sacrifice the freedom of some because they've experienced injustice, but we will not allow others to experience injustice so that others can be free. But we will see a generation that will stand up for freedom and justice. Justice, freedom and justice will walk together. So, Father, we thank you for that oil of joy. And I thank you for this garment of praise that you're releasing for a spirit of heaviness. And I just break off a spirit of heaviness right now off of families, a spirit of heaviness off of communities, even like the wondering what's going to happen. And so we just have to save up all of our money in case something bad happens again. We just say, Father, that you are releasing a spirit of generosity out of fear. There's a spirit of generosity, and I feel like the Lord is saying that there are nations that you guys are going to help rebuild because the Lord is going to so bless you financially. I feel like Heartland is going to reproduce itself in Colombia. Heartland is going to re re reproduce itself in South America. There's a harvest of churches, even the harvest network of churches into South America because God is releasing off a spirit of heaviness and releasing a garment of praise. And so, Father, we thank you. Let's just give him a shout of praise today. Sometimes you got to praise through before you get your breakthrough. <laughs> and so I'm going to pray right now. If you have experienced... Um, crippling things in your body, maybe even joints crippling. I just feel like, you know, the Bible says a happy heart is good like a medicine, but a broken spirit cripples the bones. I think now I just realized why God told me to go this way because I didn't know where I was going, but here's where we're going. I think there's bones being set in place today. There's joints being healed. So if you if you need healing in those areas, just lift your hands to the Lord, Father, in Jesus' name. And I make I'm making this a metaphor for the church too. The church has gotten disjointed. The church has gotten disjointed this year, and we speak to the dry bones and the brittle bones of the church to come back together. Even the churches that have been afraid to assemble, this hasn't been one. But as a church, church that has received the breath of God into their bones and have come together. We speak to the other churches that are afraid to assemble. We speak to the dry bones of the church that are scattered. Come together. Hear the 
word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. I speak right now to bones in this place, in Jesus' name, to arthritic bones, to deformed bones, in Jesus' name. Someone's pinky is being like released right now, in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, joints and marrow be healed in Jesus name and God's even going somewhere into deep into the marrow of somebody right now somebody something in your bone marrow is being healed in Jesus name and so father I thank you I thank you in the name of Jesus I thank you in the name of Jesus you're gonna go home and you're gonna open that jar of pickles pain-free <laughs> I thank you in Jesus name God they're gonna be able to paint again with that hand they're going to be able to play the piano again with that hand they're going to be able to bang the nail with the hammer again thank you father i think that golf swing is coming back i thank you father for restoration of the bones of the church and restoration of bones in this church in jesus name amen amen Woo. it's good Somebody say, it's my due season. Somebody say, I'm going to companion with my word. And I'm going to possess my promise. Thanks for letting me hang out with you this weekend. I've had a great time. Heartland, love you so much. Thank you, Bob. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you. This is a fresh season. The word that Bob gave this morning, it'll be online. Go back, re-listen to it. Bob, it was live, so we can't edit what you want, but it was live. And uh, take that and meditate on that. There's a lot of rich things. And also, remember, Bob has product out in the atrium. Check that out. He has CDs, and uh, he's wanting to get rid of. My car still has a cassette player, so if you got any cassettes, I'll buy them, Bob. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless Bob and Kim. Lord, put your hand out towards them. Father, we bless them. Lord, we bless their Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.